Live from WNUR News, I'm Paul O'Connor. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Wednesday, February the 8th, 2023. Tonight on WNUR News, the new ticketing system for the men's basketball team. Comedian and Northwestern alum Ziwe Fumudo's pop show last Friday night. Artist Dario Robledo's new exhibit at the Block Museum. And for the B-list, the Grammys, M. Night Shyamalan's new, new film in the upcoming Super Bowl. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. The Northwestern men's basketball team is in the midst of an impressive season with hopes to become NCAA champions. This has brought renewed attention and interest in the team, requiring the rollout of an entirely new ticketing system. Reporter D- Jonah Turner has the story. Especially the students, they are enjoying this moment. It's all over. 73-60. The Wildcats defeat their in-state rivals. Led by senior guards Chase Audition Bujui, the Cats are having their best season since they reached the NCAA tournament in 2017. With a solid defense-focused play style, they've been able to consistently win games throughout the grueling Big Ten schedule. With the Cats securing important road victories against powerhouses like Michigan State and Indiana, taking advantage of home games has become an important part of keeping pace in the Big Ten. With increased attention due to their outstanding play, Northwestern Athletics and student organization Wildside have made it a priority to attract students to games. I spoke with Wildside Marketing Chair Kayla Cohen to get a sense of what they've been doing to drive student engagement. So Wildside's been doing a lot of different attempts to increase basketball attendance both this year and in previous years as well. Um, a lot of it comes from marketing and coordination and giveaways. So we've been working a lot closer with athletics and in previous years and a lot closer with the Northwestern men's basketball team in specific. Um, and these collaborative events and collaborative posts have been super helpful in boosting our engagement and our reach um, and also in, I think, making sure the students are aware of the games that are coming up. These efforts have seen wild success, with a student attendance record of 1,511 fans at the Rutgers game and repeated praise from Northwestern coach Chris Collins during press conferences. What the crowd doesn't understand is these games are so physically taxing on these teams, and you can really be uplifted by the energy of your crowd. And Having a loud and supportive home atmosphere is crucial to winning competitive Big Ten matchups and its increase in attendance has made Welsh Ryan a formidable venue for opposition teams. As a member of basketball band, getting into games is easy. I hop on the band bus and we head over and into our seats. While my experience is easy and there are many positives to take away from the increased attendance figures, there have been a number of hiccups along the way causing widespread frustration among students. I spoke to freshman Brandon Takahashi who relayed his experiences at the Illinois game. To see like hundreds of people who all they really want to do is like watch the game because at that point like there's no other reason why all those people would be there. And then to see them all, like, to have one of the guards come out and just tell us all to leave um, was kind of disheartening because it was like, we all really wanted to be in there, but we just couldn't. Getting turned away was not an experience unique to Brandon. Many students expressed frustration at making the trip to Welsh Ryan Arena only to be turned away. Another common complaint expressed by students was the frustration that tickets were being sold in the student section to normal fans, taking away from the student experience and lessening the atmosphere provided. While ticketing has traditionally operated like any other Northwestern sporting event, 
With wild cards being scanned until capacity is reached, Northwestern basketball has been transitioning to a new model to deal with this increased interest in student complaints. The new system is much like those at other schools such as the University of Georgia or nearby Loyola Chicago, where students claim their tickets ahead of time with a limited pool of standby tickets available on game day. This helps avoid the long lines and uncertainty of admittance that discourage students from attending. Especially during the winter when it's so cold, so you don't have people waiting out there. Uh, I understand that it's not perfect just because it's like a first come first serve thing, but I guess for the people that really want to go, um, it's easier to get on top of things. And then if you get a ticket, uh, it's a lot more convenient, I guess, planning wise getting to the stadium because you know that you don't have to get there like way earlier you don't have to put off anything or like postpone like meetings or calls or anything like that you kind of know exactly when you have to go while the ticketing change was made solely by athletics wildside has supported the change um northwestern athletics is running that website and was the ones who who made the decision to go towards reserving tickets in advance um but i think that new ticketing system has been very useful in that people, when they go to a Northwestern men's basketball game now, they know that they will likely get in. Whereas last year and this year for many games, it was up in the air and it was dependent on traffic and if you could get a bus. The positive comments from Kayla and Brandon suggest it has been received well by both students and key support organizations like Wildside. While the new system has certainly been helpful, there's still bugs to iron out, such as the issue that allowed people to access tickets early for the Michigan game. With the new system continuing to be refined, there's potential for other sports to start utilizing the new system. With the streamlined ticketing system and the support of the entire student body, the Cats continue their push to the NCAA tournament. It's been an exciting season, and with number one Purdue and number 18 Indiana still left to visit, there's sure to be exciting games and even more electric atmospheres ahead. From WNUR News, I'm Jonah Turner. In other campus news, last Friday night, comedian and Northwestern alum Ziwe Fumudo took the stage at Ryan Auditorium for a pop show. She's the host of Z-Way, a late-night sketch comedy show gaining traction on Instagram and TikTok. I was able to see the show last Friday. Tonight, I have the story. Now, as a straight man, which do you give less of a about, women's rights or gay rights? Mm, less? Less. Equal. You equally do not care. That's a up question. That's a up answer. That clip was from Z-Way, a late-night talk and variety comedy series on Showtime. And it takes its name from the star and creator herself, Ziwe Fumudo. Did you get hit by a car before <laughs> Yeah, this? I don't know. I'm nervous. I feel like I'm being interrogated. It's an interview. They don't go well. Interviews or interviews with you? Although her show includes other types of sketch comedy, Ziwe Fumudo has risen to fame in large part due to her interviews. And she's interviewed a bizarre variety of celebrities, from Chet Hanks and Blake Griffin to Andrew Yang and Fran Lebowitz. I'm honored that you, you're doing the show, but my question is, why did you agree to this? Do you know who I am? I don't have the slightest idea who. Short clips of these interviews have gone viral on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Her interviews are often openly antagonistic, intentionally creating traps for her guests to fall into. Here's Z-Way interviewing Democrat Andrew Yang. You got in trouble last week for your tweets about Palestine and Israel. So my question is, as mayor of New York City, how are you going to bring peace to the Middle East? It's a terrible time uh, for a lot of people uh, around the world who are affected by the violence in the region. 
and uh, I just hope the violence ends as, as quickly as possible and that people are able to to um, live and, and pray in the way that they want. But some of her best interviews happen when the guest refuses to be made the butt of the joke and matches her energy. Here's Yiwei interviewing Julia Fox. Like, I realized that if, that people needed to think that I was crazy. And that was like how they weren't going to f*** with me. And then I don't know when I actually became crazy. It was like, I'm going to pretend to be crazy and then it just... Yeah. Filled with terror. <laughs> okay. But Z-Way's interviews aren't just significant for the popular sound bites. She's talked openly about the concept of her interviews, which is to make her guests talk to her about race, gender, class, and identity. For Z-Way, discomfort can be really funny, but also an important way to have revealing conversations on these topics. Here's an interview clip with Entertainment Tonight. See, wait, people are so afraid of race. You, your yeah. first episode is critical race theory. Yes. It makes people so uncomfortable, and that seems to be something... You're, you go to that like catnip. Let's go there, you I'm say. addicted to making people uncomfortable, I guess. I think I find discomfort to be funny. We exist as humans in this world, and God, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable all the time, and so I just have to laugh at myself. And I think what's cool about the guests is that they can laugh themselves as well. Z was a Northwestern grad, and last Friday, she returned to campus for a pop show in the Ryan Auditorium. It was put on by a Productions, who sponsors similar types of events throughout the year. How does this rank to, like, other speakers? Um, I think this is probably one of my favorite speakers, because I've seen her, like, on TikTok. To get tickets online, a set up a waiting room days before the show. They went quickly, selling out for those who didn't get in the waiting room within the first couple minutes. An hour before the show, there were two big lines, one for the ticketed and another for standby. Here's Riva Lakati, a Weinberg second year. Ticketed or not? I'm not. <laughs> do, you, do you expect to be able to get into the event? I really hope so. If you could get out of the line, would you pay at all? Um, I would, but probably max like five to ten dollars. <laughs> yeah. Here's Olivia Warren, a second year from the School of Education and Social Policy. So you're ticketed? No. Yes, I am. Okay. How, how long did you have to wait in line to get tickets? Um, I had my computer pulled up and my phone pulled up so that I could make sure I got them. Um, so it did not take me long at all. I think like a minute max. Is this an event you would have paid for? Probably, yeah. yeah. And here's Raven Williams, a Medill first year. Do you have a ticket? No, I'm currently on a standby line. Do you expect to be able to get a ticket or to um, be able to get... I hope so. I don't really know how these things work. Would you, like, pay right now to get in? Absolutely not. But most were excited, even those with no guarantee of getting in. And those who are familiar with Z-Way seem to know her for the same reason, her interviews. Do you, like, do you know of Z-Way? Yeah, I love her. <laughs> yeah, I watch her on YouTube and her TikToks a lot, so. So, so you're a big fan? Yeah, pretty. I wouldn't say, like, a huge fan, but definitely, like, I've been following her since... I guess September, so yeah. yeah. Is it mostly like to the like interview on like TikToks and stuff? Yeah, exactly. Like she popped up on my For You page and then from there I followed her and I've watched and liked every single thing she's posted since then. Do you have a favorite interview that she did? Um, I loved the interview um, with the character Mercedes from Glee where Zoe oh. asked her about Rachel Green and whether or not she could read. What's your favorite one? Probably the Julia Fox one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, same. She, I didn't know who it was, actually. And she was like, it was a Julia Fox interview. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. What's your favorite one? I really like her interview with Phoebe Bridgers. That one's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Ultimately, students waiting on standby were able to get in. And although we can't air any clips from the actual show, here's what the Ryan Auditorium sounded like right before. 
As students filed in, Z-Way herself was sitting on stage, absorbed in her laptop. It seemed like she was mixing the music we were hearing in the auditorium. I didn't even realize it was her until suddenly she started dancing in a conspiratorial kind of way. For the first 45 minutes, the show was all Z-Way, and she took time to give the audience a sense of her brand of satire. Here's Kelvin Wong, a Medill first year. I think her humor is just like, it's just like, it goes over people's heads. During the show, she ironically played into the trope of herself as a self-affected celebrity. Using Google Slides, she showed us images of what happens when you Google search her name. She even told us to go upvote pictures of her feet posted on the online celebrity database called WikiFeet. Other notable moments from the first 45 minutes include when she reenacted some of her interviews with students from the crowd. Notably, Pink Barrett Girl made an appearance to reenact an interview Z-Way did with Phoebe Bridgers. However, some were confused by the choice to reenact interviews. Here's London Mason, a Medill fourth year. We were saying we wanted her to like talk, like interview the actual like girls more than just have them like read the pre-plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but it was so good. Then comedian, actor, and singer Larry Owens took the stage. Although most came for Z-Way, some were more excited for Larry Owens, who plays Zach from ABC's Abbott Elementary. Um, it wasn't really Z-Way I knew of. I knew more of um, Larry Owens because he was on Abbott Elementary. I don't know a lot about him, but I do know that I love that TV show, so yeah. <laughs> um, that's been really cool. So I'm excited to see him too, for sure. His cameo was short, only about 10 minutes, but he practically had the audience on their feet after he performed two songs, monologuing in between. I didn't really know that much about Larry Owens, and he's amazing. Yeah. Like, he's so good. After his last song, Z-Way re-emerged, and for the last 10 minutes, she had us chant along to an original song called Stop Being Poor. Here's Maria Hobich, a Medill first year. I personally thought it was really funny that she got, like, a bunch of Northwestern students who are, like, you know, typically come from, like, wealthier families who all start screaming, stop being poor. I thought that was, like, hilarious. And for her final act, she told us she was going to lead us in a prayer. She then had us all make the weird sound effect from the White Lotus theme song popular on TikTok. Then, mysteriously as it began, the show ended. Looking back, the show feels like somewhat of a fever dream. So much content was jam-packed into just one hour, with Larry Owens creating just about the most dramatic mood shift imaginable. But the more you think about Z-Way's humor the more it starts to come into focus. She takes liberty in enjoying the spotlight, but never forgets to remember exactly what it is. From WNUR News, I'm Paul O'Connor. Last Friday, the Block Museum of Art held a conversation with artist Dario Robledo in his, re, in his latest exhibit, The Heart's Knowledge. Emily Stoll has the story. We can call it the unattainable, a distinction with profound consequences. You do not know this threshold's texture. Is it more veil or mist, stone or breath? But we know it is moving, forever racing away from us. In the darkness, precociously pondering the fundamental questions of human existence. What is life? What happens 
when we shuffle off this mortal coil, to quote Shakespeare. Is there life out there in the universe beyond the beautiful, beautiful, magnificent desolation? This is Lisa Corinne, the Ellen Phillips Katz Executive Director of the Block Museum of Art. On February 4th, she introduced artist Dario Robledo in a public conversation regarding his latest exhibit, The Heart's Knowledge. You just listened to Robledo discussing the attainable, which is the margin of space we can reach and observe, though forever moving away as the universe expands. This clip is from the exhibit's film component called The Aorta of the Archivist, which is featured at the Block Museum of Art. The exhibit is a result of a five-year collaboration between Robledo and the McCormick School of Engineering. From San Antonio, Texas, Robledo has been featured at institutions across the country as a lecturer and visiting artist. The medium of his work can range from sculpture to film. He centers his work on the human experience in the natural world. As an artist in residence, Robledo worked closely with students in STEM in his exploration of the heart and in the creative process of the exhibit. Julio Otino, the Dean of the McCormick School of Engineering, helped spearhead this collaboration. That you brought curiosity, incredible talent, and can I say this, uh, what an artist, rare humility. Harvard art history professor Jennifer Roberts also attended the discussion. She had assisted Robledo in the process of making the exhibit. It's an artist at large, it's not an artist in residence. It's an artist that's not sitting still. It's an artist who's moving around the campus and making connections, which is so important. Robledo challenges the viewers to consider how the scientific and artistic fields break boundaries in a similar way through seeking to understand the world around us. In the conversation, Robert suggests that among the best people to build these bridges because artists are intellectuals who aren't necessarily tied to any particular discipline. The exhibit explores the intersectionalities between scientific and artistic exploration and how the two fields might be more related in their aspirations than previously considered. He uses the discussion of the heart as a way to illustrate this comparison. The study of the heart, which from Lydia has been argued over by philosophers, priests, and artists, uh, science generally avoided, for, for many millennia, really digging in, unless it was philosophical, because they couldn't record it. So I like to say that the heart was its own unobservable universe problem for a long time. I talked to Greta Bell, an artist and friend of Robledo's, who attended the conversation with Leah Conklin. Both said they were nearly speechless following the event. He incorporates uh, time, I don't know how he could do it, but the future and, and the, the present and the past, and, um, and all with the heart and how we're all connected. And He's putting words and thoughts of things that I've never been able to express. Yes. Which then when you hear it, you react. And it's like, whoa, that's a truth. Yes. <laughs> like, I want to sit with that for a little bit. Yes. He found unity between the science and art worlds through dialogue of empathy and exploration of the human race's capacity to be empathetic. Nothing has challenged me more to think empathetically than imagining the ultimate other uh, of alienness, uh, when you can assume no shared sensory experience or cognitive similarities or emotional range. Robledo united arts and science in the counter against the attack on empathy, as he called it, which we are currently facing. In fact, you, you should assume that it's being actively attacked by new technologies or whatever. Empathy needs to be innovative. We need to innovate in the ways we can counter and express it. The Blanc's modus operandi 
is for art encounters to catalyze this kind of profound questioning, especially for our students, to cultivate self-knowledge and the capacity for empathy. What is the actual boundary line of the human capacity to empathize? I don't think we even scratch the possibility yet. Reporting for WNUR News, I'm Emily Stoll. Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.24 p.m. Central Time. Reporting on the Grammys, M. Night Shyamalan's new number one movie, and the Super Bowl, I took the B-List this week. Welcome to the B-List, your weekly roundup of celebrity mess and pop culture. This week, the Grammys, M. Night Shyamalan's new movie, and the upcoming Super Bowl. The Grammys happened last night, and there's a lot to digest. Some notable winners include Lizzo, who won her fourth Grammy for Record of the Year with her retro-inspired single, About Damn Time. Adele won her 16th Grammy for Easy On Me, and Kendrick Lamar won Best Rap Album for Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. In his speech, he described it as the first album where he found, quote, perfection. Kim Petras became the first trans woman to win a Grammy for Unholy with Sam Smith, and Beyonce won in electronic and R&B categories, becoming the most decorated artist of all time at the Grammys. But the Grammys are often more notable for who didn't win than who did. Oddsmakers, critics, and pop music lovers on Twitter and TikTok are reeling over Beyonce's latest snub for Best Album of the Year. From her self-titled Beyonce album in 2014 to Lemonade in 2016 and now Renaissance, Beyonce has made some of the most important and ambitious music of her career over the last 10 years. With Renaissance, she explored styles ranging from disco, house, and R&B to create a record that was both nostalgic and cathartic. But she ultimately lost the biggest prize to Harry Styles' smash indie pop record, Harry's House. It recalled 2017 when she lost to Adele's 25, and Adele was practically begging Beyonce up to the stage to take the award from her. She's won more than anyone, but never the top prize. She showed up late to this year's Grammys. It wouldn't be surprising if next time she didn't show up at all. Beyonce wasn't the only artist considered to have been snubbed. Although he won in the Best Musica Urbana category, Bad Bunny was still denied all of the bigger prizes he was nominated for for his album Un Verano Sin Ti. It's widely considered to be his best project, capturing the turbulence of a summer by spanning reggaeton and tango to electronic and indie pop. It was also the most streamed album of 2022 on Spotify, with smashes like Me Porto Bonito and Titi Me Pregunto accumulating over a billion streams. There were good moments, though. Lizzo's orange floral getup created some buzz on the red carpet, Stevie Wonder and Smokey Robinson performed together, and Viola Davis became an EGOT for winning in the audiobooks category for a memoir called Finding Me. This means she's now won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. In movie news, M. Night Shyamalan was at the top of the box office this weekend, dethroning Avatar 2 with his horror thriller called Knock at the Cabin. It earned about $14.2 million in weekend sales, beating out the sports comedy called 80 for Brady. And it did this with a much lower profile cast that includes Rupert Grint, who played Ronald Weasley in the Harry Potter franchise. Although it isn't likely to come close to the cultural power achieved by Shia Moon's 1999 smash, The Sixth Sense, it's giving him some of his best success in recent years. And finally in sports news, Super Bowl 57 is coming up this Sunday. It'll be held on the State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, where the Cardinals play. Rihanna will be performing the halftime show, and this will be Rihanna's first performance since the 2018 Grammys. 
2022 has signaled Rihanna's tentative return to music as she also released the single Lift Me Up for the recent Black Panther movie. It had been six years since we'd seen any music from her as her latest release was her studio album Auntie from 2016. It's unclear what her plans will be following the halftime performance. And also, the Kansas City Chiefs will be playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Both teams are recent Super Bowl winners, with the Chiefs winning in 2021 and the Eagles in 2018. It'll see the two quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, facing off in what should be a tight game. That's all for the B-List this week. Check in next Monday to hear about what happens this week in pop culture. For WNUR News, I'm Paul O'Connor. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNUR.news. That's WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Brandon Kondritz, and our reporters are myself, Jonah Turner, and Emily Stoll. From all of us here at WNUR News, thanks for listening. I'm Paul O'Connor. Check our next newscast on Friday, February 8th at 6 p.m. Now, back to scheduled programming.